You're listening to Understanding the Law Radio, your business success and legal information station. Hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont. Today, we're going to be looking at a recent poll that I put out there concerning what your number one complaint is about attorneys. Now, this poll was sent out uh, to people who have hired an attorney over the course of their life at any point, and what is the number one thing that they complained about, the number one issue that they had with an attorney. Now, I could tell you that the number one complaint is that attorneys exist, and that's probably true, but that's not really the answer. So we're going to look at that in a second. Before we get into the poll answers, which is is rather enlightening, and I want to talk to you about um, what the complaints are and what to look for in an attorney, should you ever need one. Before I do, though, I just want to uh, ask you, if you like this content and you like this show and you've been a follower of the show for a while, uh, please make sure that you rate the show over on iTunes. It just takes a second. Just click the five-star button and, and leave a review if you want. It does help us get the podcast out and get the message across to other people who might uh, otherwise not know that the show exists. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. We have over 250 videos. Uh, Some deal with the podcast, other deal with um, news or how-tos or explanations about the law and procedure and lawyers and all sorts of things. Uh, So check that out as well. If you want to find links to all of our social media pages and channels, you can do it right on our website. Just go to utlradio.com and all the links to all of our platforms will be up in the upper right-hand portion of the page. You can also subscribe to this podcast if you're not already subscribed right from that link as well. All right, so let's get to the poll for a minute. So we put this poll out and said to people who have used attorneys, talk to us about your number one complaint. And what I've done is I've selected the top three number one complaints in order of uh, popularity, for lack of a better term. Number one complaint across the board is that clients don't feel that their attorneys communicate effectively or enough with them over the course of their legal matter. Now, this poll did not separate legal matters into litigation or transactional work or closings. It just simply said, what is it? What is your number one complaint? Lack of communication takes the cake. And we've run a poll like this once before. And again, it, it's consistent that most people find that their attorneys are not communicating with them effectively or enough. So the question then becomes, well, how should an attorney communicate with you and what is enough? And it it really comes down to a few things. First of all, I think that to be a good attorney, having a open, clear, effective line of communication with your client is paramount. I mean, there's no such thing as a client relationship if you, the attorney, are not going to effectively communicate with the client. So what does that mean? What should you be communicating? Well, it depends on 
the client and the type of work that you're doing. If I'm drafting a, a contract for somebody, there'll be an initial contact, then there'll likely be a meeting so that we can go over the terms and conditions and things you want in the contract. Then I'm going to go write the contract. Now, while I'm writing the contract, I don't need to be calling the client every five minutes. Uh, just done with paragraph one, uh, approaching paragraph two. So, so give me 15 minutes and then call back. Guess what? I just finished paragraph two. I mean, come on, that's crazy. And we all know it. And we ex don't, don't expect that. So we're not talking about, you know, the, the number of communications. We're talking about effective communications for the type of work that you're doing. So what's reasonable, what I do on the contract stuff is, like I said, an initial phone call, then a meeting. We go over what's going to be in the contract. I draft the contract. When the contract is done, I send it to the client. The client looks at it. We either have another meeting or a phone call. We talk about what he likes, doesn't like, what, what they want added or removed, and then I do another version, send it to them. Same thing. We talk about it. And then we finalize it. That's, that's how I would communicate on a contract matter. Now, if it's a real estate closing, for example, where it's a transactional thing, there might need to be more communication. And that level of communication is driven by the nature of the closing. So if it's a straightforward closing, and I don't need to talk to the client all the time because, again, it goes back to that silly example I gave you of, I just finished paragraph one. I don't need to tell you, hey, I just spoke to the other attorney and he told me to have a great weekend. I don't, I, you don't want that information, right? I mean, you'd be complaining that I was giving you too much information. So you've got to approach it, I think, from a standpoint of what does the client need to know from me? And if I were in the client's shoes and was a non-lawyer, what information would I feel that I needed to know? So on a transactional matter, like a closing, well, you need to communicate about the contract, the rider, discussions about home improvement, uh, contractors and the inspector and all these things that are relevant to the closing. I think that many attorneys say, ah, this is standard. I don't need to talk to you about that. But maybe the non-lawyer client would like to hear about it. And so I think that with a transactional case, you need to be more flexible as an attorney and figure out, is my client the kind of client that needs to know everything? And how can I package this information in an effective, efficient way so that they don't feel left out in the cold. There's nothing worse than a client that doesn't feel like they know what's going on. Now, take it one step further and go into a litigation scenario. Well, in a litigation scenario, you have to understand as the attorney that your client is likely scared. Maybe not scared, fearful, running from a bear in a thunderstorm, scared, but anxious, you know, unaware, uncertain as to what happens. Attorneys are going to know, oh, you know, here's a discovery demand. No big deal. I'll set it aside because I know I've got X amount of days to answer that. But to the client, that discovery demand might be significant. They might say, oh, oh my gosh, we've got to answer this right away. How do I answer this? What do I do? And they might need 
some hand-holding. So the, the poll result, the lack of communication, I see it and hear it all the time. And you as a client, you need to be able to communicate to your attorney, hey, listen, Bill, I, I'm the kind of person that needs to know what's going on. So I would appreciate it if you would keep me in the loop. Maybe send me a status report every 30 days. Maybe give me a quick call every two weeks. Just let me know what's going on. You need to communicate that as the client to the attorney. Let him know or her know that you know, you're the kind of person that just wants to be kept in the loop. There's nothing wrong with that. And then if your attorney still isn't doing that, well, then it's time to find a new attorney. But that would be, I think, my advice to you concerning this complaint. This number one complaint about attorneys, lack of communication, is you as the client, you can't control an attorney that's a jerk or somebody that's not going to communicate. So the best you can do is write at the start of the relationship, let the attorney know that you're the kind of person that wants to be kept in the loop and see if that helps. And if it doesn't, like I said, then your only option is to find somebody that will give you what you need. All right, let's move on to number two. All right, so the number two reason that people are frustrated with their attorneys is that attorneys do things without asking permission. And let me clarify this because this is a very, very broad response to this poll. The poll essentially tells us that what people are complaining about is not necessarily the overall handling of their case by the attorney, but rather one particular instance seems to be the triggering complaint here. And that happens at the beginning of the case. So most people who answered this question in the poll, who who said that this is their number one issue, are talking primarily about when an attorney who files a complaint gives an extension of time to the defendant to answer the complaint. So it's limited, really. I mean, there's other people that that had other issues, but if you look at the uh, the quality sampling of this particular complaint. What you're talking about is when attorneys give extensions of time to other attorneys without asking the client. I want to explain this. I I firmly believe, like, you know, going back to point one for a second, that a lack of communication by an attorney is a terrible thing and that a client shouldn't have to suffer that. This one, I agree if the attorney is doing things and acting on your behalf unreasonably and not telling you. So where would you want your attorney to make sure that they ask permission first? The number one place is in settlement discussions. An attorney should never bind you to a settlement without having a conversation with you and without asking your permission. It is unethical for an attorney to entertain a settlement offer and say, yep, that'll settle the case without first talking to you. They can't do that. So if that's what you're complaining about, then you are justified 100%. If an attorney is going to settle a case, he must convey the settlement negotiations back and forth 
with you. And I don't mean everything like, oh, you know, then I told him this, and then he said this to me, and then I said this back. I'm talking about dollars and cents. If the other side says, hey, listen, uh, Jim Bob, I know that you're looking for a million dollars. You can tell your client that that's not going to happen, but my client is willing to offer $1,000. Now, I know that's unreasonable, right? Now, if you're the attorney saying you're going to give me $1,000 and my claim is a million dollars, I still have to convey that to my client. I still have to go back and I have to say, listen, Jenny, I know you're going to be upset. Don't shoot the messenger. I know we're looking for a million dollars, but here's what the other side has offered. It's ridiculous. I know, I know, but it's what they gave us. You have to do that. You're obligated to do that. So if your complaint is that, then you justify. Now, here's where the majority of people are you know, complaining, and that stems from the extension of time given to another attorney. And, and they're basically saying, why would you give another attorney an extension of time to answer anything? Well, here's where an attorney, 90% of the time, is going to not ask the client and, and really shouldn't. When it comes to extensions, especially on pleadings, on you know, answers and complaints, it is a professional courtesy for an attorney to extend, you know, a week, a two week, three week, depending upon the nature of the case. Typically two weeks is good. Two week extension of time for the other side to answer. So if you serve the defendant and now there are five days before the answer is due and you get a call from a lawyer and you say, hey, I'm just coming into the case. Can I get a brief extension to answer the complaint? You're going to say yes. And, and you know, you really shouldn't have to go back to the client for that. I'm going to tell you why. So back when I was younger and, and first started practicing, I had a client that said to me, a very savvy client. If they ask you for an extension, you are not permitted to give it. I said, okay. So when they asked for the extension, I said, no, I'm sorry. My, I would normally do it, but my client said no. And the other attorney said to me, that's fine, but you will never get a courtesy from my office under any circumstances moving forward. Okay. So we go through the case and sure enough, They schedule my client's deposition and they schedule it on a date where my client's not available. Now, when I denied the extension, the other attorney had to file a motion with the court and explain to the judge that I refused to give the extension. And needless to say, the judge was not happy with me, despite the fact that I told him that my client said, and his response to me was, counselor, get your client under control. That's that's what the judge said to me. So I go back, I tell my client, hey, you know, you've got a deposition notice and this is when it's for, I understand you're not going to be away. Um, What do you want me to do? What do you think he says? Well, ask for an extension. So I ask for the extension and the attorney says to me, you've got to be out of your mind. I told you, no, no way, no way. So what's my option? To go to the judge. So I go to the judge Judge, my client's not going to be available. He's, and you know what the judge said? Too bad. Get your client here. He wouldn't give an extension at the beginning of the case. I'm not inclined to give one now. I don't care where he's going or what he's doing. You get him at this deposition. And that's what happened. 
So the moral of that story is that there are some things that an attorney might not necessarily need to ask a client about. Not a lot, very few in fact, but something like a professional courtesy and extension of time to answer is something that you should expect an attorney to give. It has an impact on you and your case later on. You know, the attorney should be doing what is in your best interests, and that includes with extensions. So, you know, if the gripe is that you're not being consulted about an extension, I mean, you got to take that with a grain of salt because courts like to litigate cases on the merits. They don't like to just give a default that's going to be overturned anyway at some point, you know, within reason. We're talking about, you know, not somebody that has ignored a complaint and now they're coming back a year later. We're talking about somebody who says, I need a little more time. So you're going to get on the judge's bad side right from the start if you do something like that. So, you know, if your attorney has given a reasonable two-week or so extension of time to answer, that that's okay. Now, it's my practice to explain to clients, even before we file a complaint, that it is possible for the other side to come into the case towards the end of the deadline to answer, and they might request an extension of time. And I tell them right up, up front, because I think it's very important. That goes back to point one. Let's communicate effectively about how the law works, how these cases work, and what procedurally might occur. Because now, you know, I've already explained it to my client. And so when that does come up, it's not an issue because they understand it's in their best interest. So I get I get the complaint if it involves something like not communicating settlement, which is clearly unacceptable, no matter what way you slice it. But if it's just about an extension and that seems to be where all these Paul answers are leaning, then I'd say your attorney maybe should be better communicating with you, right? And explaining to you what an extension is, what the impact is, what the implication of not giving the extension is. That might make you feel better. I think maybe point two in the poll, maybe it still goes back to point one, effective communication. Interesting, right? So we're going to move on to point three, but I'm going to tell you right off the bat that I think point three also points back to point one. So while I've picked the top three complaints in this poll, I think that they all are about communication or lack thereof. So I think that is the real issue here. So number three is that people complain about talking to paralegals and support staff instead of the attorneys. And I, I can see it. I understand it. If you call your attorney and you never speak with him or her, and it's always a paralegal or a secretary, then you've got the right to be upset because you do want to be able to communicate with your attorney within reason because attorneys have other clients. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in business, right? You're not the only client that the attorney has. So if the attorney's in court or on the phone or with a client or at a deposition and you can't get a hold of him when you want to and you're stuck talking to support staff or a paralegal, that that's not necessarily something that you should start complaining about because they're busy. They're doing something. Now, if your attorney doesn't call you back and has the paralegal call you back all the time and you never get to talk to them, that's another story altogether. 
So we're, we're talking about the extremes here. We're talking about somebody that never talks to the client and constantly pawns it off on the paralegal. That's no good versus somebody who is responsive and gets back to you and emails and communicates, but every once in a while is unavailable. That's, that's a different story. So, you know, if, if it's a paralegal all the time or a secretary all the time, then yeah, you have the right to, to, to complain. And I think that that, again, stems back to the number one complaint being communication. The attorney can't just say, I already got this client in, now I'm never going to talk to you. That, that's not right. They've got to be able to communicate with you. And I think that, you know, you've got the right to be upset if you're constantly getting the paralegal. Now, in some situations, maybe you are going to get a paralegal calling you. Maybe they're looking for information to help the attorney, um, you know, answer this, this set of questions for me uh, concerning your discovery. That's acceptable. That's, that's okay. But when you're not communicating at all with the attorney, yeah, that's a definite problem. So that's it. That's the top three, and I say it's really actually just the top one, the top three complaints that people have about their lawyers. It all somehow comes back to lack of communication. If you are a young lawyer listening to the podcast and you want to be a great lawyer, the tip that you can benefit from the most is communicate often and effectively with your clients. And if you're the client... You want to be able to have that level of effective and and frequent, within reason, communication with your attorney. So when you're interviewing the attorney, when you're calling the attorney and saying, would you evaluate my situation or my case, how that attorney communicates with you during that first phone call could be indicative of how they are throughout the case. If you go to talk to the attorney and you can't even set up an appointment because the attorney is so busy and you're constantly getting the paralegal saying, well, how can I help you? Maybe you're not going to get the level of involvement or communication that you need. So think about that, you know, when you're, when you're talking to the attorney. And again, young attorneys, communication is key. I know that everybody loves email. It's easy. You don't have to see anybody. But look, you got to keep it old school every once in a while, right? You've got to pick up the phone. Pick up the phone, make the call, talk to the client. That's the way you got to do it. That's just the way it is. Don't rely on electronic communication for everything. It just it's it just lacks that sense of of personal contact, personal communication. And when you write something, it oftentimes doesn't come across the way that you want. People think you're mad. People think you're you're being nasty. People think you're being short with them. And maybe you didn't even mean it that way. That's just your writing style. So pick up the phone, communicate, bring people into the office, talk to them face-to-face, one-on-one. Communication is key. All right, that's going to do it for today. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already. And rate us over on iTunes. Please give us a, a good rating. It helps us. Um, rise in the level or, or rise in the standings, if you will, of podcasts. And it lets more people know that we're here and they can take advantage of this advice and advice and hopefully help themselves in their personal lives and in their business matters. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks. Make sure you uh, join me next time when we do another business and legal Q&A. 
I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. If you'd like more information about the show, or if you'd like to take advantage of our business and legal self-help resources, including our extensive video library, then visit us online at utlradio.com. You can also find us over on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. Now, if you have any questions about any of the topics that you've heard discussed on today's show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic for future shows, please feel free to reach out to me directly at pl at pjlesq.com, or you can call us at 201-904-2211. Please also make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Also, share the information that you receive through this podcast with your family, your friends, and colleagues, and let them know about utlradio.com, your business success and legal information station.